Welcome to a special edition of 1010 Thrive, part of our series, Jesus in Every Book of the Bible. In the opulent solitude of his royal chambers, where the dim glow of oil lamps cast elongated shadows against the ornate walls, King Nebuchadnezzar paced restlessly. The vast expanse of Babylon sprawled beyond his palace windows, its magnificence a testament to his unrivaled power and ambition. Yet, the haunting dream he had experienced and the subsequent interpretation by Daniel, the Hebrew captive, gnawed at his thoughts, overshadowing his grand achievements. Why should my kingdom ever come to an end? He questioned aloud, his voice a whisper in the grandeur of his solitude the golden head of the statue from his dream, as Daniel had elucidated, symbolized his realm, mighty Babylon, unparalleled in splendor. The very notion that anything could undermine its glory was unfathomable to Nebuchadnezzar. Compelled by a restless curiosity, he moved towards the balcony, his gaze sweeping over Babylon. The towering ziggurats pierced the sky. Markets teemed with the wealth of nations, and the Euphrates nourished the land, a testament to his dominion. What power could possibly challenge such supremacy? He contemplated, his heart caught in the grip of the prophecy revealed. As the night deepened, Nebuchadnezzar's reflections turned introspective. He pondered his mortality, the ephemeral nature of human achievements. Is it my pride that blinds me to the impermanence of my reign? He considered the memory of Daniel's steadfast faith in his God, who claimed dominion over all kingdoms, lingering in his thoughts. The king thought of empires past, each convinced of its eternal legacy, now reduced to whispers in the annals of history. Perhaps, he mused, the true measure of a kingdom's strength is not its riches or armies, but in the justice it upholds and the prosperity it offers its people. This realization unsettled him, challenging the very principles upon which he had erected his empire. His mind then dwelled on the stone cut without hands, the emblem of a kingdom established not by human hands, but destined to endure eternally. Could there exist a might greater than mine, an everlasting kingdom beyond the march of time? He uttered, a mix of reverence and trepidation in his tone. For the first time, Nebuchadnezzar contemplated the legacy he would bequeath. Shall I be remembered as a monarch who pursued glory at his people's expense, or is there yet time to alter the course of my legacy towards compassion and equity? These questions loomed large, casting a long shadow over his spirit. With the break of dawn painting the sky, King Nebuchadnezzar arrived at a pivotal decision. He would erect a colossal statue of gold, an image of himself, demanding worship from all, thereby cementing the permanence of his reign and defying the prophecy of his kingdom's demise. This monument would stand as a declaration of his indomitable will, a refusal to accept the transient nature of earthly rule. Thus, 
in the first light of day, Nebuchadnezzar's heart hardened to the prospect of change, opting instead for a bold assertion of his legacy that would challenge the heavens. A legacy he hoped would outshine the ephemerality of earthly power and rival the eternal. What's going on here? The king has commissioned the royal builders to erect here on the plain of Dura an image of gold, whose height will be 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. After several months, the construction was completed. The king then sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. Have you received the notice? Yes, a proclamation was read in court today, and a courier came by this afternoon. Can we refuse to attend the dedication? We can always refuse, but you know what that will mean. Then there is one thing left to do. Pray. O Lord our God, we have been summoned to the plains of Dura, not to sing your praises, but to bow down before an idol crafted by human hands. Grant us strength and courage to remain steadfast in our faith. So on the appointed day, the designated officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. People of every nation and race, now listen to the king's command. Trumpets, flutes, harps, and all other kinds of musical instruments will soon start playing. When you hear the music, you must bow down and worship the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Anyone who refuses will at once be thrown into a flaming furnace. As soon as the people heard the music, they bowed down and worshipped the gold statue that the king had set up. All but three Hebrew young men. And their lack of compliance caught the attention of some of the astrologers. You commanded everyone to bow down and worship the golden image when the music played. And you said that anyone who did not bow down and worship it would be thrown into a flaming furnace. Those Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego refused to worship your gods and the image you have set up. What? Send for those men at once. The three exiles were brought before the king. I hear that you refuse to worship my gods and the golden image I have set up. Now, I am going to give you one more chance. If you bow down and worship the image, when you hear the music, all will be forgiven. But if you don't, you will at once be thrown into a flaming furnace. No god can save you from me. Your Majesty, we appreciate your grace and goodwill. But we don't need to defend ourselves. The God we worship can save us from you and your flaming furnace. But even if he doesn't, we still won't worship your gods and the golden image you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar's face twisted with anger at the three men, and he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. He commanded some of his strongest soldiers to tie up the men and throw them into the flaming furnace. Tying them up, the soldiers cast them into the furnace. The fire was so hot that flames leaped out and killed the soldiers. Ah! A few moments elapsed, and suddenly the king jumped up. Asphanaz! Yes, my grace. Weren't only three men tied up and thrown into the fire? Yes, your majesty. 
But I see four men walking around in the fire. Do you see what I see? I do see what you see. None of them is tied up or harmed. And the fourth one looks like a god. How can that be? I see the flames raging. I feel the heat. The soldiers who bound them are dead. But you see what I see? This is not a hallucination. Your Majesty, there are four men in the furnace. Come with me, we are going closer. You servants of the Most High God, come out at once. The three Hebrew exiles emerged from the furnace, and the king's high officials, governors, and advisors all crowded around them. The men were not burned, their hair wasn't scorched, and their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. Praise their God for sending an angel to rescue his servants. They trusted their God and refused to obey my commands. Yes, they chose to die rather than to worship or serve any God except their own. So they serve the same God that Daniel worships. Yes, I know. And I won't allow people of any nation or race to say anything against their God. Anyone who does will be chopped up and their houses will be torn down because no other god has such great power to save. After this happened, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the Babylonian province. Thank you for joining us today for our special episode. 